one. Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. This is Y'all, y'all heard. heard. A podcast where me, Marissa Phillips. And me, uh, Peter Rabbit Phillips. Uh, are not related <laughs> no matter what holiday it is. Doesn't matter if it's Easter Sunday, we're still not related. Nope. Actually, we are related one day a year, but we're not going to tell you which one. (laughs) Yeah. And this is a show that, um, that you crack open and then you go like, ooh, there's good shit inside. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, In other words, you tell you things you didn't know you needed to know. Should we preface what this episode is? We're making a short episode for the Easter week because Pete is off work and he oh, ain't right. touching a damn thing related to the computer. <laughs> Good for you. Um, so I'm not sure what Pete's bringing to the table, but I am bringing just two, not necessarily updates, but like additional information about topics I have covered before. Uh, Pete, what are you bringing to the table? Um built off of of what you mentioned earlier today i am including um another core and i'm also going to talk about a ghost show that i saw when i was a little kid that scared me okay uh you want to go take turns who want you want me to go first yeah yes okay um i will just say this did not make the show because there was less about it than i wanted there to be but I was like, which I pray to God, if you are someone who listens to our backlog, please, please never listen to my Donkey Kong episode. Um, I was like, let me cover Donkey Kong. There's got to be some news I can cover. Uh, and then I saw this Marissa headline. has sought redemption. Yeah, I saw this headline, which I have seen <laughs> for the past few weeks, but I've never been able to click on it during work, which is when I do a lot of research. And then I read the origins, and I was like, oh, there's not much of a story to this. So just know I almost had one of my short topics being the Pringles Donkey Kong Cock Blast. <laughs> so anyway, if you want to know about that, you can Google that yourself. Could you spell that word before blast? Cock. C-O-C-K. Okay. Donkey Kong Cock Blast. Uh, It's not that interesting. It's basically just people keep putting a meme of lightning (laughs) shooting out of Donkey Kong Cock on every post to the Pringles or all the social media. But I thought there was more to it. It's not anymore. Anyway, I have talked many times about aliens. Um, We... I think we talked about some, you know, government disclosed things, and we've talked about the different races of aliens. Um, Today, I just want to give you a bit of alien news. Uh, I read by a Newsweek um, late March uh, that scientists have designed a radio message to be beamed into deep space that reveals Earth's location which they hope will be received and understood by an intelligent alien civilization. That will destroy us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this isn't particularly new. Uh, this message is essentially an updated version of the famous Arecibo message, which was transmitted in 1974, which had the same purpose. 
This was broadcast from the Arecibo Radio Telescope in Puerto Rico. And the message consisted of 1,679 bits arranged into 73 lines of 23 characters. Um, the messages were transmitted in binary code, so ones and zeros. And once decoded, the message forms a visual graphic consisting of a stick figure of a human, as well as representations of our solar system, DNA, and the Arecibo telescope. So now uh, scientists have designed a new message to improve upon the last one. Oh, this okay, is- okay. That's yeah. not what just went out. No, no, no. That's okay. what went out in the 70s. So this, is, this new one is called the Beacon in the Galaxy, so B-I-T-G message. And it contains more information about basic mathematics and science than the previous one. It is hoped that these concepts will be universally understood by life forms of, sorry, that was weird inflection, <laughs> understood by life forms of at least similar intelligence to human. Uh, Matthew Chung, a physics and math student at Cambridge University and co-author of a draft report outlining the project, told Newsweek, um, the main part of the BITG message contains a new set of graphical information in the form of images and special alphabets to represent numbers, elements, DNA, land, ocean, and human, etc. Jonathan Jang, project lead and scientist at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory, told Newsweek that the BITG message also depicts a group of cosmic landmarks to indicate the location of Earth within the Milky Way galaxy. The researchers are not going to send this message themselves, so this there's no like set date that this is going out, but propose that it could one day be transmitted from the 500-meter aperture spherical radio telescope in China and the SETI's in, in the SETI Institute's Allen Telescope Array in North California. So, summarize all this. Scientists are improving upon the message they sent into space in the 70s. They are putting more details and they hope that this will reach other alien life forms. Uh, at the end of the article, it was stated or it was reiterated that Stephen Hawking said this was a horrible idea mm-hmm. because we don't know that alien life forms, you know, are benevolent. Yeah. So <laughs> they might fucking kill us when we give them our location. Mm-hmm. So let's get psyched about that. Anyway, your turn. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite a break between tweets too. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like, I remember when I was a kid, I saw this show, and it left, like, a lasting impression on me. And for some reason, it popped back into my head recently. And it's a show that was called Haunted Lives, True Ghost Stories. And this had three episodes that aired over the course of four years. Okay. <laughs> so it was more of, like, a special than a show. Mm. But it had the same title each time. Um The first episode, which is the one that I remember, was hosted by Leonard Nimoy. And, yeah, like, I just would remember parts of it. I would remember visuals of the story where construction workers were demolishing a school, and they heard kids singing, and they saw ghosts, and a lot of different things went wrong. Mm -hmm. And so it turns out that it's from this special. Uh, The third story, I think, or maybe fourth, 
It's the last one in a one-hour show, and it's about Metz Elementary School in Austin, Texas. And it turns out that the memories I had were much scarier than the segment that I watched, because you can watch the whole episode on YouTube. Okay. Uh, still, it was kind of creepy. One worker claimed that he saw the ghost of a boy watching him out of the bathroom window. I think I wrote that down wrong. I think he saw him in a bathroom mirror. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> others <laughs> others said that they could hear groups of children giggling in, within the empty rooms of the building. The sound of chalk screeching down unseen chalkboards echoed through the halls. Strange drawings were left scribbled on the walls of barren classrooms. Joe Torres, the demolition's leader, said that his brand new watch stopped ticking every time he stepped foot on the property. Even heavy machinery, such as bulldozers, brought to raise the school, started to falter. Eventually, Elias Lyman of the Casa Guadalupe Catholic Center was brought in to put an end to the haunting. Armed with holy water and a prayer book, he implored the spirits to leave before the walls came tumbling down. There was also a man on the construction crew who took a tree that was on the site. You know, like they were just knocking everything down. And he was like, well, that's, that's a nice tree. And he planted it in his front yard. And he said that sometimes he can still hear the kids playing around that tree. Ew, you fucking keep the tree, you creep? <laughs> Ew. <laughs> okay. So that's that's just something that kind of stuck with me. Yeah. And if you, uh, I'll try to remember to put the link in the, uh, in the show notes so that you can check out the VHS digitized version of uh of this show yeah that's fun things always seem creepier when we remember them from our childhood yeah i don't know what it was but it always stuck with me there's another one too uh, some movie about alcatraz something scary happened in that and that stays with me too hey i will say the one thing that always stays with me is that alien autopsy fake show that you did Mm. in a past episode um all right guys so you might remember that in the past Pete did an episode on Cottage Corp. No, 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 Marissa, okay. I gotta, I gotta correct you. You did Alien Autopsy, and you did <laughs> Cottage Corp. Oh, oops. <laughs> oh, well, you asked me to do Cottage Corp. Yes, definitely. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know anything. <laughs> I don't remember our own show. I just want to um, give you credit where credit is due. <laughs> yeah, um, Pete asked me to do it on Cottage Corp, and I will say Cottage Corp annoyed me. Not the concept. I love everything about Cottage Corp. I just got really annoyed that it had a title because technically I do and like a lot of things that are cottage core, but like, why does everything need a fucking core? So I was like, let me do an update. Are there any more heinous cores out there? Uh, so I found one that sounded real dumb. Uh, I found this, um, I, I don't have the exact website, but it was basically like a website that was, uh, keeping track of like apartment trends. And I was like, this sounds dumb. Is this really a thing? And so, yeah, I could find it on a lot of different other sites. So, Pete, do you find yourself being pulled toward all things wavy, like squiggly mirrors and amorphous rugs? Or maybe you're finding yourself drawn to checkerboard patterns and vibrant colors. Or maybe you just love vibrant colors in general. Well, you might be dipping your toes into, do you want to guess? color core mm, i wish that would be less upsetting carnival core Ew. which is claimed to be the 
not so new aesthetic that's currently neck and neck with cottagecore. I would argue that that is not true because I've never heard of it before. But mm. whatever. And I hear last about cottagecore. Okay, carnival core. That's because you follow the hashtag. I no, I don't. <laughs> I just read like pop culture things all the time, and I mostly see cottagecore, Regency core, and uh, what was it? Butt Dark- core. You say butt core? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, might as well. <laughs> uh, like goblin core, fairy core. And Dark Academia, which is not a core, but it's core adjacent. Anyway, Carnival Core is a design aesthetic, apparently. What about channel- Carnivore Core? Ooh, I would like that better. <laughs> uh, that channels playfulness, creativity, and nostalgia. It's a bit loud, a bit in your face, and maybe the perfect way to describe your love of all things wavely, wiggly, wavely? <laughs> Sorry, wavy, wiggly, and bright. I would argue that this is a terrible name because... When I think of carnivals, I don't think anything about waviness. Usually you think of horror. (laughs) No, I just think of... You think of unhappy elephants. (laughs) I think of five rainbow hues, but I just think of, like, carnival foods. Anyway. uh, I'm going to paint my wall in deep-fried Oreos. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So carnival core is bold and it's bright, uh, but this... Design article says it may have already worked its way into your space in a subtle way. Funhouse-inspired mirror frames and disco balls are, according to this article, peaking in popularity. I will say, what? there's a hipster lady New Age store across the street from my house, and I live in like an affluent area that keeps up with trends. They do have a lot of wavy shit. They have a lot of wavy candles and a lot of wavy uh, mirrors. But so, it doesn't have to be wavy, right? No, but would you characterize like uh, I don't know, like black and white stripes as carnival core? Um, they said black and white checkerboard, so I don't know why it wouldn't be. Yeah, so maybe right enough. I'm not sure. So, oh, like wait, that I'm- person, like a person who subscribes to that, you might like call them a clown. <laughs> I like where you're going, and I'll say yes. <laughs> um. Actually, the next sentence I'm reading, uh, that was perfect, perfect um, segue. Harlequin and striped prints are popping up on pillows and rugs. So there we go. Yes. Some have, um, some people have also started mixing and matching bold, clashing patterns. Um, Carnival core is seen as a bit tacky, but in a fun way. Uh, So you might be, so you might be like, I never heard of this site who the fuck is using carnival core well nicolo Bini, which is the oh shit not nicole (laughs) obini nicolo Bini, the architectural designer behind cara de levine do you know that is pete oh damn right i do she's uh the daughter of um heath de levine are you being serious no (laughs) okay caroline de levine is famous she's uh, a famous uh supermodel uh, so the architectural designer behind Cara D. Levine's carnival-inspired home, God, which, by the way, apparently has a tented ceiling poker room and a ball pit. Cara D. Levine is like a grown-ass woman. Also, do you think? Do you think that we should grow up? <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I feel like I can't say that because I have like a whole bunch of toys in my house, but. But you don't have a ball pit. No, and I never would. That sounds embarrassing. Anyway, unless I had a child. But also, if I had a child, that would be gross. Also, like, what does she do in the ball pit? If she has sex in the ball pit, that's also gross. Anyway. Yeah, you gotta change all those balls out then. Shut up. (laughs) Bring in the ball sanitizer. (laughs) No, not that one. Oh, God. So, the designer behind Cara Levine's carnival-inspired home uh, said that the theme he and Cara Levine went with has to do with nostalgia and bringing aspects of childhood, fantasy, innocence, and playfulness into their homes. However, I would argue that there is already something called, like, kid core. So, this just sounds like an offshoot of, of kid core or clown core. Um, this article says that you, if you are feeling inspired by the carnival core aesthetic trend, uh, challenge yourself to get bolder with your design choices. Lean into stripes, checkerboard, and gaudy floral prints. Also, disco balls, and anything that just feels like it's your inner child going wild. I fucking (laughs) hate titles so, so marissa yes i don't know if you would indulge us for a second but could we talk to your inner child <laughs> like like, like do you want me to bring is, them to the surface is your inner child cooler than this <laughs> i mean yes like when i was a kid i don't think like even as a child and again bad representation of a child but <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I ever wanted to have a like a carnival looking room. No, my inner child. I mean, I find this. I personally take pride in the fact that I'm a very consistent person. My mother would argue that that's not a thing to brag about, but I've been fairly consistent <laughs> since I was a child and what I thought was cool in my design choices. Yeah. I have always liked either spooky fun. Or over-the-top pastel glittery, not glittery, but like, I, as a child, I even wanted like a Regency Victorian room because I thought it looked cool. Uh, there's no fucking way I would want some carnival shit, even as a child. I bet you could really cause a ruckus on the internet by calling something gothcore. <laughs> but then is it just goth? And I yeah. Yeah. And you're just putting core at the end, and it's going to infuriate people. <laughs> oh, man. Like you. <laughs> but I don't understand. Do, do Gen... This is a real question. It makes me sound old. I don't even know if we have any Gen Z listeners. But do any Gen Z listeners want to just be goth? Or, or do they have to call it dark academia, goblin core, fairy core? Like, are kids not just punking goth anymore? I guess not. Like, I don't this, think... This is stupid. <laughs> yeah. If you're a Gen Z or a new listen, first of all, what, what are you getting out of this? Uh, second of all, please call in and tell me what you view in in your own youth culture. Yeah, I mean, it could be that you observe what I'm going to talk about, which is 
deli core. Pete? Okay, well, I told Pete I was going to... By the way, so you found this before I found a core? Yep. So I told Pete, you know, this is like an over... Like a, a big idea of what I'm going to cover. I have a new core. And he's like, I hope it's not deli core. And it made me so fucking angry. <laughs> And I, I can't even for the life of me imagine what the fuck this is. This is the thing where you're going to be like, that's not a core. That's a trend. <laughs> Unless it has to do with meats. And Beloved whole- delis and appetizing stores. Okay. Appetizing stores. <laughs> what? So this article is from the New York Post, which is notoriously cruel to people. So it's okay to make fun of this article. <laughs> but before you go into it, I will always, I will also say like, if it's just like loving delis, I'm going to be pissed because I imagine a core always has to do with a specific aesthetic. Oh, it does. Okay. Ooh, do tell. Beloved delis, you wear the meat. What? <laughs> <laughs> Beloved delis and appetizing stores are selling chic merch to the style conscious, smoked meat loving locals. Even big fashion labels are part of the trend, which has been dubbed deli core. Okay. Earlier this month, Coach and Zabars collaborated on a capsule collection featuring a $495 sweater and a $550 leather tote. What the fuck? I'm looking right now. Are you looking at the tote? Oh, I'm looking at the sweater. Where's the I'm trying to find the tote. For some reason, this article only has the shirt. The tote is sold out. Of course it is. Oh, God. It's at first... I hate, I hate it a lot. I hate this so much. The tote is sold out, and did you find it yet? Yeah, this is a picture of a fucking bagel. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> so fucking stupid. With a bite out of it. And it's like, yeah. I forget what, what they call that, but like the threshold is really high on the bagel. It's not even like a, like a realistic looking bagel. Yeah, not nice. The food delivery website Goldbelly, meanwhile, reports that it's seen a 30% year-over-year increase in sales of restaurant-related merch it offers alongside the main business of edible goodies. Okay, I will just say, have I been tempted to buy, like, Cool Ranch socks? (laughs) Or have I been tempted to buy, like, I I don't know, like, when I find something funny... Okay, I guess it's, you know, that that's stupid. But sometimes I, I do buy chips off of snacks.com, which is the, like, uh, I think, like, the Frito-Lay company or whatever. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I will see merch, and I'm like, that's silly. I could own, like, a fucking Cheeto onesie. That would be funny. But I'm not like, ooh, I got to put $300 down on that hot, exclusive fucking IHOP uh, clutch. Like, that's because I, that that's not part of Delicor, Marissa. Yeah, well, everyone who likes Delicor is a fucking more representing your favorite local restaurants can be representing your fa- can be like representing your favorite sports teams. Goldbelly, oh, so okay. Goldbelly founder and CEO Joe Ariel told the New York Post, Alexis Chernoff, thirty-two, moved from the East Village to Bushwick last month, and she's already keen to wear her neighborhood pride. She recently shelled out sixty dollars for a hoodie from Edith's Eatery and Grocery, a sandwich shop that serves Jewish comfort food with modern twists, including a cold brew slushy with tahini that she loves. Okay, so I, um, wait, what is the name of the place? 
Edith's Eatery and Grocery. Okay, sorry, because there's a similar smoothie at a place near my house, and I was going to be like, is it just a fucking chain? Uh, but no. Uh, so I will say I used to own a shirt. It was a, uh, it was a bit of money, but uh, I wanted to support IHOP. Not, uh, nope, IBOP. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, IHop. yeah, yeah. IBOP. So that was a local coffee shop in Wilkesbury. Um, one, does it need to be a deli? And two... Never would I ever want someone to call me Deli Core just because I bought that shirt. <laughs> no, it doesn't have to be a deli. Um, okay. But one, so I only wanted to have two quotes in this. I, mm-hmm. In fact, I have the first one by accident because I only wanted to have the final quote that I use in this. Um, but another guy did talk about how, like, I've been in restaurants that are good, that I might not go back to, but that I enjoy the food, I enjoy the atmosphere, and I'm kind of like, man, that's a cool-looking shirt. I'd like to get that shirt. Mm-hmm. Because part of what I'm, part of my logic behind that is I'm giving the business some more money. Yeah. Because I think they're cool. And I get a shirt out of it. I'm not thinking I want to represent this business <laughs> yeah. in my everyday life. But I'm thinking that they probably have all these shirts in the back, and me buying one is going to help them out. <laughs> yeah. Um, but don't worry, Marissa. It's not just people like you and me. Celebrities are helping fuel the trend. I bet they are. In 2020, Jake Gyllenhaal collaborated with Russ and Daughters on a tie-dye salmon pink t-shirt benefiting relief efforts for the Independent Restaurant Coalition. It sold out. So, last May... Chillenhall released a follow-up, a $150 black hoodie bearing the word LOX. Oh, God, that's a lot. <laughs> Meanwhile, actor, really? Pete Davidson. <laughs> of course. Rapper Travis Scott and former New York Giants wide receiver Victor Cruz have all been photographed wearing hats from Uncle Polly's Deli in Los Angeles. Davidson even wore the hat on a date with Kim Kardashian in November. Great. This is the quote that I wanted to keep. And I'm going to put a voice on it. It's like band t-shirts. Anybody rocks a Metallica band t-shirt, why not rock your favorite fucking deli? (laughs) Wait, whose quote is this? Said Uncle Paulie's deli co-founder paul james who also compares the trend to the passion for hard rock cafe and planet hollywood shirts in the 80s and 90s part of deli core's appeal he noted is that it's relatively accessible what (laughs) i I don't know that that gigantic that the really expensive tote is accessible but yeah yeah huh that's fun (laughs) i hate it but that's But I feel like there is something to, um, I'm getting tired of hearing the word nostalgia, but but like, I think there's something to it with that, you know, uh, because, you know, like if you wore like a little league t-shirt that was sponsored by like an area business or something like that, like all Mm -hmm. these things kind of feel similar to that. Um, so I, I do much like you resent the term delicor because it does seem to apply only to eateries. Uh, and it does take people who just wear shirts about, you know, like wear t-shirts of places that they eat at. <laughs> like it puts them into the delicor category and they didn't ask for this. 
No, they definitely didn't. And I'm sure none of them want it. But I would consider um, that you, I would ask that you consider sort of like, you know, a local business core uh, (laughs) mindset when you go out to shop. Because, yeah, if you can help local companies and businesses um, stay afloat, especially like Jake Gyllenhaal did during COVID um, with the $150 black hoodie bearing the word locks, (laughs) then certainly... You'd be doing your part. I would be happy to support a local business. And if, as long as no one ever accused me of being whatever the fuck this is. Yeah. Hey, if you guys want to be podcore, let us know. We'll throw up a t-shirt that you guys can order. <laughs> I like it. Call us at 570-PODWAD1. Let us know. Slide into Marissa's DMs yeah. at Riss Vandal. Send her uh, um, like little bunny pictures. Yeah. Send me anything you want, as long as it's not a dick pic. Yeah, call us at 570-PODWOD1. Oops, I think you just said that. You could text us also. And Pete, what is our email? Shout at yallheard.me. And if you celebrate, be sure that you have a happy Easter. Hoo-hoo-hoo. Yeah, hi. Hi.